And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I am Zach Seven. Adam, how are you doing today? <laughs> You're Zach Seven? What happened to Zach 1s through 6? They all died, but I retain all of their life's knowledge and memories <laughs> in a recursive loop that I continue to live. So I... I do know that if I make no other changes to my life and I don't influence anything, uh, that this podcast is going to go to 300 episodes until one of us, I'm not going to name who, tragically dies. This is horrific. I learned that in life four. Oh. I stopped doing a podcast for a couple of lives and then I decided I'm bored. I'm going to do the podcast life again. That one was fun. Are you uh, keeping life six very secret? Yeah, no one's allowed to know why in Life 6. What caused me to decide, no, I need to return to the podcasting. That was that was a good path. <laughs> uh, so you haven't quite become radicalized yet, is what you're telling us. Oh, no, I've been radicalized. Oh, okay. All right. All of these experiences have radicalized me. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, guys, go read, go read uh, Powers of Ten and House of X. Uh, they're wild. Yeah. House of X2 uh, came out after we recorded last week, and uh, I think I've read it like a dozen times at this point, and I'm still trying to figure it out, and it's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Moira is a lot of things now, and also the exact same thing she used to be. It's beautiful. It's very curious, is what it is, and I can't wait to read more. Well... Instead of that, we're going to read some different stuff. Yeah. Uh, on this podcast. Yeah, I brought my trail mix. Uh, what, did you bring your combos? Cause we're... I brought my combos. <laughs> they are the only snack you're legally allowed to eat on a road trip. <laughs> and nowhere else. Nowhere else are you allowed to eat combos. Uh, uh, well, that's good. And we're, we're going to be talking about road trips today. Thanks to Patreon supporter Tim Matum. Tim went on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files threw some money at us and said, talk about road trips. Thus, we are going to do so uh, with the first story that's on our list, which is very confusingly. <laughs> this one's confusing. Uncanny X-Men 319, mm -hmm. 322 through 325, and also adjectiveless X-Men 45. <laughs> A combined story I like to call... The Prelude to Legion Quest, Gene Nation, and Road Trip with Iceman and Rogue. Uh, these these episodes, let's get the credits out of the way. Because uh, just to be worse to all of us, they have a different artist on each one of these issues. Yep. So we have, just going in sequential order, Uncanny X-Men, written by Scott Lobdell, professional comic book writer, uh, with art by Steve Epting, Tom Grubbett, Brian Hitch, Roger Cruz, and Joe Mad, uh, with uh, X Men Forty Five, written by best friend Fabian Nicieza, and Andy Kubert does the art. Andy's pretty good at art, guys. I don't know if you heard about that, 
honestly, any of these artists in a row, pretty, pretty solid artists. Turns out you could get a lot of money in 1995 for the X-Men books. <laughs> but back to back, it's a little bit uh, discombobulating. Um, uh, it's very discombobulated. Yes. Uh, now, this is from this era where the Uncanny and X-Men books, and frankly, anything else from the line could cross over at any moment and you would have no real reason why i mean it it just does um so this rogue and iceman backstory of the two of them uh road tripping kind of flows through all of these issues even though for a good chunk it's not the main story yeah so what's important like you said uh x-men was just a giant pile of mistake uh in this time you just couldn't follow it uh so to provide context, in 314 of X-Men was when Emma Frost took over uh, Iceman's body. Mm-hmm. And Iceman is feeling weird about that situation. Yes. Then Phalanx Covenant happens. So the X-Men are off the board for a while. Mm-hmm. Then they pop back up for 319, uh, where the main uh, main story, at least that we're going to focus on because it's the most interesting to us is Iceman and Rogue going to visit Iceman's family because I guess Iceman and Rogue are going to be friends now. (laughs) Yes. Then Legion Quest and the Age of Apocalypse happen. Right. Um, And when we get back, 322 is the first little hint of the Onslaught crossover. So it's the first. It's, It's the first trumpet. Uh, the seal has been broken, and Onslaught is coming. Uh, but we're not talking about that today. He beat up Juggernaut. That's all that happened. And no one involved in this comic knew what Onslaught was at the time. Uh, it was a word that was thrown into a final panel, and uh, they figured it out later, I guess. It's beautiful. They had a name and a logo. That's it. It's a pretty good logo. It's a pretty good logo. Uh, Solid logo. Anyway, so this first issue is Uncanny 319. Um, I have heard some people interpret this issue as the original coming out of Bobby, um, but it centers around Bobby it's... taking Rogue back to meet his parents. Um, On Long Island, yes. And as we know from lots of continuity, um, Bobby's dad is a jerk and has never really accepted the fact that he is an X-Man and that he is a mutant and they come to i don't know they're they're not happy with one another is basically what happens yeah it's it's a lot it's also not subtle so i i don't believe that lobdell had the full intention of hey let's have bobby be gay now no and it's very clear that they are going for an lgbt uh metaphor with the x-men because it's that thick. Yeah, it's that thick in this, too. It's like, don't be racist. Don't be hateful to anyone, regardless of creed, <laughs> yes. color, sexuality, gender identity, anything. It's pretty mm-hmm. It's pretty thick. Yep. So, I mean, I've seen Usenet messages from 1995 saying that, oh, I guess Bobby's gay. Which, which wasn't what was happening there, but it does make the continuity of now... Yeah. Uh, go a lot smoother. Yeah, I think uh, this particular story, um, later conversations that he has with Gene, um, 
everything that's happening in the background with him after being uh, possessed by Emma, it all kind of goes into uh, a storyline that definitely can be interpreted that way, even if it wasn't the uh, intent of the author. Um, but I do think that this exploration of Bobby with his parents is an interesting one because we don't really see these relationships with parental figures very often in X-Men. Um, a lot of the X-Men parents are kind of off the board or, you know, they're, they're not recurring characters. And here we get a follow-up on a couple of different things. Um, you know, there's references back to X-Factor with Bobby's relationship with Opal. And, um, you know, Rogue basically comes to the determination that Bobby's dad is a bigot and tells him so. It's it's really well done. It's a very this is what 90s soap opera could be. And it works really well here. Uh, Special props to artist Steve Epting, who does just a fantastic job selling this Uh, in Mm -hmm. a way. I think uh, some of the people who follow him up on later issues in this arc question mark uh don't so well well all right so the focus of rogue and iceman's road trip does shift um because we do have age of apocalypse happen in between where rogue kisses gambit and it goes bad exactly so um leading into age of apocalypse rogue kisses gambit and puts him in a coma um, when we come out of age of apocalypse she's kind of torn up about this because she has learned something based on absorbing his memories that is like the great sin of gambit ironically she doesn't know what this sin is she just knows gambit did a bad once yes he did a bad one so we need to get in the car and we need to drive where are they going Uh, portland portland yeah that's right yeah seattle is it seattle Seattle. or portland i think it's seattle oh all the people, all of our listeners who uh, live in one of those two cities who don't like each other, I apologize. So, um, Rogue knows that Gambit did something bad. We won't find out as readers what this is until Uncanny 350. Um, and it's that he was a marauder. Um, Sinister's involved here. This all gets wrapped up in uh, X-Men 45. But the main thrust of the issues of 323 to 325 is actually a battle with Gene Nation, um, which is <laughs> kind of complicated. It's the Morlocks having been sent to a parallel dimension by um, by Mikhail and I guess evolving quickly. And they come back with Marrow, which is also a thing that started in Generation X. So kind of a, kind of a lot. Yeah, uh, Gene Nation is bad. Actually, I don't like them. They are, they are mutant terrorists, but like not even in the way that Magneto was a mutant terrorist. Marrow originally is not particularly interesting. You know, she's just like a chick with some bones sticking out of her noggin, um, and that's great. But not a lot of character stuff going on here. Um, so it's basically a fight 'em up. Um, and well, can we talk about the final part of the fight em up? Cause that's at least interesting in what it tries to do, even if it's not good. Yeah, please. Uh, they do a sewer fight with Marrow, who is, you know, the head of G nation who are the evolved Morlocks essentially right. and storm who technically is still in charge, even though objectively she's a terrible leader. <laughs> 
And do you know what? Do you know what Storm does? Oh, we get a little bit of a reenactment of the uh, Callisto Storm fight, and uh, she basically rips Marrow's heart out. She's got to rip her heart yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It's Mortal Kombat move time, man. It's a it's a finishing move. What? Okay. <laughs> let's let's. There's a bomb around her heart or something. Yes. It's dumb. <laughs> right. Uh, which wild that that happens. Let's start at the top on this dumbness. <laughs> One. Storm shoved her hand through a bone person's rib cage, grabbed a still beating heart, and ripped it out. Yeah, like I said, it's a Mortal Kombat finishing move. It's pretty straightforward. Storm has a regular hand, though. Wait a minute, doesn't she use one of Marrow's, like, Marrow dagger, bone daggers? To... Oh, who can even I tell? Joe know. Mad's actually bad at art, uh, and not very clear. He was too busy playing Final Fantasy VII. Uh, which is true. <laughs> if you guys don't know, Joe Maggiera essentially tanked his comic book career, or his earning potential. He seems like he's doing fine now, because uh, he was playing a lot of Final is Fantasy. Is that true? That's crazy to me. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, dude. Um, why do you think Battle Chasers is just Final Fantasy, but Joe Mad drew it, and also unfinished? Um, uh, he's finishing it. Adam, did you not hear? Joe Mad's finally going to finish Battle Chasers. Dude, if Joe Mad can finish Battle Chasers, which was published by Cliffhanger, which was a subdivision of Image, then maybe. Chris Pachalo can finally finish the last arc of Steampunk, which was also a cliffhanger. No, book. he's relaunching ah. Deadpool with Kelly Thompson right now. I know. He How wants, cool is that? He okay. wants money so his kids can go to college. That's Chris Pachalo's life. Heck yes. Good for him. Uh, I, I hope it works. Also, I'm sure also, it Mero also has two hearts, so Storm doesn't actually murder her. Great excuse. I don't think I like that, that even and comes up in this comic, though. I think that's a later retcon. Nope. No, she's she's dead for all intents and purposes at the end of this arc. And I, I'll give um, Lobdell and Nicieza some credit here in that there is some nice uh, synchronicity here. You know, the whole thing is supposed to be about the, um, you know, a many multi-year anniversary of the Mutant Massacre. I don't think that's ever quite explained. Um, but it's on the anniversary of the Mutant Massacre that they're going to kill all these, the Gene Nation is going to kill all these uh, humans. Sure. And in X-Men 45... We get this exploration of what did Gambit do? And we see Sinister in the shadows, you know, kind of hinting that, you know, he'll never be forgiven for what he did. And Rogue and Gambit go at it. Uh, they do not really resolve the issue aside from kind of breaking up. Yeah, well, I think it's done well. So really, the whole through line of this, uh, Rogue and Iceman are going on a road trip. Uh, and Rogue is getting more and more provocative uh, oh, yeah. during this whole thing. And what, it, what she kind of breaks down with is saying, I, like, used to be able to touch someone and it not be the end of the world. She used to steal people's powers by kissing them. Like, that was her mm -hmm. thing. Uh, but her powers have grown to the point where, you know, she kissed Gambit. She kissed Gambit. And Gambit go in coma. <laughs> right. So she's having a rough time right now. Uh yeah, and uh, she's repeatedly kind of walking into bars and, and you know, toying with people and pushing buttons and crashing through roofs, and it's it's not going well for her. And Iceman has to be, like, the adult in a situation. 
<laughs> which is not usually his role. Especially when he's already dealing with so much. Like, he's literally saying, yes. I've got so much on my plate right now, but I have to put it aside to deal with you. <laughs> yeah, and I love, I, I do love the, the little tidbits in this these conversations like how they took a rental car across country and how bobby's worried about the rental car well he's a cpa he knows yeah. that uh he didn't he didn't buy the insurance package from them so it's uh it's all <laughs> liabilities on him regardless of what happens to this rental car uh so he's terrified oh it, it really is delightful to see the two of them uh, together in this arc, even though it isn't really the focus until, you know, in 319, it's the focus. And then in X-Men 45, it's the focus. Um, but it's it's great to see these two characters interacting. Um, I, I just like it. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, I think the strongest stuff is, again, the, the ends of this 319 and 45, which really focus on Iceman and Rogue, respectively. The Gene mm-hmm. Nation stuff in the middle, I could forget about, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not bad. Um, there there is good stuff in there. I like the uh, the baseball scene at the beginning of three twenty five. I think is uh, kind of a classic for a lot of people. It's good. They play baseball with the Generation X, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's fun to see all those characters interacting, and uh, I don't know, like I I, I don't mind the whole like call back to mutant massacre and you know taking the characters from generation x and bringing them over it's fine um but i do find some of the roguing and uh bobby stuff to be pretty compelling it's definitely worth checking it out. is now how much worth it's checking out uh well we have a list for that uh the list has 261 stories uh with the top story being the dark phoenix saga the 50th story being what if wolverine was lord of the vampires uh, the 100th story being the last will and testament of Charles Xavier. 150, Ultimate Spider-Man Jump the Shark, where he switches bodies with the Wolverine Man. Uh, 200 is Girls' School from Heck from Excalibur. And 250 is the Shatterstar Saga from X-Force. <laughs> Better than the Shatterstar Saga. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I don't know. I think there's some fun stuff here. Um... Where do we have uh, Mutants Take Manhattan? Oh, uh, it's low. Lovely. It's low, right? That's at right? 243. Oh, this is, this is much better than that. It's not better than um, 199, which is Bishop's Crossing. I would agree with that. Um, it, we're, we're probably in the right era. Um, is it better and... or worse than... That cable story where they go to Genosha and fight Sugar Man. I think it's better okay. than that. Um, here's what I think. I think it should maybe go a slot below Shatterstar and Adam X versus Arcade at 211. I can, I can dig that. So that puts it right above it would... 212. Uh x-men four and five the brotherhood of evil mutants where four is good but paired with five uh really hurts it yeah kind of kind of uneven there that sound like a good place that's a great place that's our new 212 okay this one's gonna be tough to add to the list (laughs) yeah i'm calling it gene nation slash road trip so we're gonna we're gonna stay on this road trip uh and we're gonna go just a little bit farther down down the down the old beaten trail uh, these country roads are going to take us home to X-Force 
71 through 74, appropriately titled Road Trip. Uh, this is written by John Francis Moore with art by Adam Polina. It's fun. I like this. This is kind of like X-Force going back and becoming a New Mutants book for a lot of ways, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, they've broken up with Cable. Domino is recovering from some kind of injury. So this this entire era is very Claremontianly <laughs> plot yeah. heavy. So everything does flow mm-hmm. into each other a bit, but yes, Domino Domino got hurt and she's in the background of this and she has short hair and she's pretty good. Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh but the cast of X-Force right now consists of Warpath, Siren, uh Boom Boom who is not going by Boom Boom, which is weird. Yeah, she's meltdown. I'm now. not into that. She's meltdown. Uh, Sunspot and um, who am I missing? Danny Moonstar. Yes, Moonstar. Uh, Mirage. So they're on a road trip, uh, and ostensibly the purpose of this trip is to follow up on a plot line from all the way back in New Mutants '99. Yeah, uh, remember how all of James Proudstar's tribe got massacred? Uh, and he assumed it was the Hellfire Club because he found evidence of, that it was the Hellfire Club. Well, and by evidence, plot... you mean that somebody dropped a uh, Harvey and Janet mask into the dirt there. Uh, a single Hellfire mask, yes. Yes. And that was the explanation uh, for what happened to his, his entire tribe. Um, that is not what happened to them. It's a little more complicated than that. And it takes uh, takes some finding out to figure out what the... the solution is here oddly enough this is a follow-up to also x-force minus one which gives the whole backstory of when james was a little kid and ran into the secret doctor who was experimenting on people in his tribe it's wacky isn't it it's wild uh there was a doctor trying to turn his tribe into werewolves that's right um and they were funded by strife yeah you remember strife he's cables cables uh clone (laughs) um so that's one big that's the bigger part of this arc the other part of the arc is that they run into a kid who borrowed money from the mob just be patient here um to make his film debut yes and several of the group uh well siren and warpath go on off on their own to try and solve the mystery and the rest of the team becomes basically this kid's private security. Yeah, they get bored because they ran out of money in the middle of Ohio. <laughs> and this kid has a suitcase full of it. So why not hang out with him? Uh, the answer why not is because he's not a great kid. Mm-hmm. But they that have fun. They don't do much. but They have fun doing it. Yeah, they, they play dress up. They they put on some pinstripe suits and, uh, and play security guards. And uh, that lasts for... A, a, short period of time because um unfortunately <laughs> the culmination of warpath's story and solving the mystery really takes him into hell yeah I mean, warpath dies uh and then danny gets a valkyrie premonition she's like hey uh your friend died he's in hell do you want to help him <laughs> it's like a 90s beeper and then you just see like 911 on there um and they basically travel to hell to well it's not really hell though it's sort of like they don't describe it that way but 
black heart is there even though it does not look like black heart and they all fight strife who's trying to get out yeah strife strife's trying to break out of hell in this very convoluted plot that went poorly for him mm-hmm. it doesn't work um warpath is uh is able to the x-force is able to win the day and and bring warpath back um i don't know that that part of the story is pretty silly but I mean, even the explanation of what actually happened to Warpath's uh, group is is pretty weird. It's, it's dumb, but it does wrap up a plot thread that had been sitting around for like six years. <laughs> um, yeah, and the fact that you had to read X-Force Negative One to uh, fully understand that, that backstory is a little bit strange. Yeah, this is a... There's two things I really like about this book and this era in general. One... Uh, Adam Polina's art. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. He's got an energetic style that's different than the like heavy anime influences of like a Joe Mad. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's a little more cartoony, a little, it's closer to like an Ed McGinnis, I think. Like a sharper Ed McGinnis. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of cartoony style here. Um, and... We do get, uh, believe, guest um, artist Andy Smith on issue seventy three, and it's very noticeable. You That's know, right, like yeah. the 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 style shifts, you know, pretty drastically in between the two issues. Um, but Polina, it's a really fun style to bring to uh, to this storyline. I'll tell you the other thing I really like in this era. X-Force feels like a team of fun kids, even more so than some of the bright spots of like the Nicieza run or even some of the stuff that like Jeff Loeb was doing and doing pretty successfully Mm -hmm. uh, in his purple suit era of (laughs) X-Force. They really do feel like uh, young adults who have been friends for a while and are just making their way through the world. The next issue of this, they do go to Burning Man. (laughs) <laughs> right uh, they call it something different right what do they call it no it's just burning man <laughs> is it okay i thought i thought uh tabitha calls it something else i don't um, know hippies don't know how to sue it's fine <laughs> uh, i'm kidding it's all yuppies now and people who can afford to go to burning man don't get me started on this event i don't care about so corporate them burning that thing um <laughs> but you're right like there's soap opera elements here that are great the relationship between um between siren and warpath continues um, we get little little tidbit about Tabitha writing to Sam uh, on the X-Men. It, it's just those kind of elements really do let these characters breathe a little bit. And it's not super heavy on let's go run and, and punch them up because that's not what's happening here. Can I tell you the one big thing about this era, which I enjoy this era as a whole, but the yeah. one thing about this era I don't like? Mm-hmm. John Francis Moore's plots are just loosey-goosey. <laughs> This yeah. is indicative of everything in this era. There's some stuff with the Externals, some stuff with the Eternals. Uh, there is some stuff with, I don't know, just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of weird things. He's just writing what he feels like writing and more power to him for doing that. Uh, cause he, cause he gets the hangout aspect of the book. Great. He gets the character relationships. Great. Him and sensible plot are not in the same, uh, same room. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, but at the same time, it, the aimlessness of it does kind of fit, 
You know what I mean? Uh, we, we see Mirage reading Kerouac. Uh, <laughs> I think Warpath at one point is reading Fear and Loathing in Las yeah. Vegas. You know, it, there's there's something fun about that um, that I, I think that he captures pretty well. I think I think uh, this book and these uh, this arc really shows that they were only the big guns team for a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. And there's something to love about X-Force outside of that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And this is that for me. I really have a soft spot for this era and for a lot of these characters. Like, this is the run that made Warpath one of my favorites. Oh, he's great he here. Wor- and he's, he works really well in the entire thing, especially his relationship with Siren where it's not romantic or it's not reciprocated romantic. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Siren's not interested in him, and that's fine. And Warpath respects that. Never stops being, like, into her. But also is just, like, a good dude and a good friend. And I kind of wish Siren and Warpath could hang out because they haven't done it since, like, 2000. Yeah, there's there's a romantic undercurrent to this. But it's more that it's a very significant friendship for the both of them. And uh, that's what I think is is interesting about it. It's... It's well done, and they capture that sentiment, uh, I think, pretty pretty solidly. Um, it is weird to me that this whole chunk of the run is not on Unlimited. Yeah, uh, Marvel, get your stuff together and get all of the good X-Force that I like on Unlimited. Yeah, it's you, just... You already got all the bad stuff I don't like. Put the good one <laughs> that I do like on here. <laughs> Yeah, there's just these gaps, and they've they've managed to fill the gaps in a lot of the other X titles, so that we have complete runs, but not with X Force. So, um, might might want to get on that. It's like X Force, Excalibur, and X Factor after 1995. Yep. Yeah. It's those three in that era, and it's just touch and go. Either way, we have our own list that's better than Marvel Unlimited. Uh, no, it's not. It's worse, but. <laughs> Where should Road Trip go? Um, I was thinking a little bit about the Excalibur bar issue. Um, oddly comparable, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we just have we have friends hanging out, you know. Uh, there's character work being done. Um, but I, I would say I like this maybe better than that. Now, we have that and at... 139. 139. I like this better than the Hellfire Saga at 135 of Wolverine and the X-Men, mm-hmm. but I don't like it as much as Age of Apocalypse Exterminated. I think that's a good place for it on the list, honestly. Um, you know, I'm looking at what's above it. Magic Porn Knights, X-Men Endangered Species, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, and I don't think it's as good as any of those. And I think we both agreed that Age of Apocalypse from 2011 was... Uh, a pretty novel concept. So uh, that would make it our new 135? It would make it our new 135. I feel like from like 134 to, I don't know, like 155-ish are like, hey, here's a handful of stories you probably overlooked, but kind of are good. They're kind (laughs) of good, actually, guys. Yeah. Check these out. You're going to, well, I mean, there's lots of stuff like that on our list, but um, if you liked X-Force and you kind of like 
I don't know, waved this part of the book away just because you thought it kind of gave up on the mission statement, check it out. Great character development, fun storylines, pretty solid art. I think it's good. Yeah, they just start having fun. Yeah. Uh, now, the last story on our list, I could not uh, characterize as fun, per se. Uh, uh, there's a fun aspect to it, I guess. Um, but the, mm, what are we talking about here, Zach? <laughs> this, is, this is a bit of a, a, a departure from where we just were. Yeah, uh, this is a sad road trip instead of a happy, fun road trip. Uh, this is X-23, number 4 through 7, Songs of the Orphan Child. Uh, written by Marjorie Liu, with art by Will Conrad, Marco Cicchetto, David Lopez, and Sana Takada. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our bosom buddies this time are uh, Laura Kinney, and um, our good friend Gambit is back for the second time this episode. It Gambit, Gambit, Gambit on road trip. <laughs> Gambit on road trip. He's got card tricks, and he's trying his darndest to, to be a good friend. Uh x23 um i don't know how good of a friend he's doing because he can't really keep her out of mischief he does ask did you murder someone (laughs) and when she says yes he's pretty much okay with it i guess he says fine you shouldn't murder people laura i know you like it but maybe stop yeah well I think the two of them interacting is one of the highlights of this arc. Uh, unfortunately, the villain of this arc leaves a little to be desired, and that is the one, the only Miss Sinister. So this is a weird arc where Laura runs into Laura's left the X Men uh, for reasons that involve hell. Uh, we're not going to get into it; it's kind of confusing. Laura runs into a girl who's being, uh, you know, hu- involved in human trafficking at a uh, diner. And tries to help her out because uh, Marjorie Liu is bound and determined to make us all remember the very bad continuity from NYX. Oh, boy. Which, look, Marjorie Liu handles it well. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a fault of hers. I'm not personally convinced that I ever want that, that story referenced again or brought up. Well, I mean, it's not... <sighs> It's not explicitly spelled out. And the, and the reason this is brought up is because, um, you know, th- this is very much an orphan black type situation. Um, but oh, well, maybe not. It, that, that's probably a better comparison to the first arc of all new Wolverine. But I was um, about to say, it's not even the best orphan black story that Laura is in. Yeah. But Miss Sinister is essentially looking for a new body. Um, and, and, or at least a healing factor so that she doesn't have to keep, like, melting all over the place, I guess. Because <laughs> Mr. Sinister, by the way, we've not talked about Ms. Sinister on this podcast, have we? I don't think she's come up in context of X-Men Blue. We didn't. We never covered anything with Miss Sinister. Okay, give me a second. Yeah. You know Mr. Sinister? He's very glam. He has a diamond on his face. He's pretty cool. I'm familiar. Uh, at one point when he was going to die... He set a backup personality, life, memory thing in just some random woman's body Mm -hmm. and transformed her into Ms. Sinister, uh, which was girl Mr. Sinister, uh, because, you know, Nathaniel X is nothing except for uh, experimental in anything he does. (laughs) Uh, 
She then doesn't like her body being taken over, which is fair. But mm. Mr. Sinister wants wants to be Mr. Sinister again. He's he's tired of riding around in this ride. He wants to go back home to his bed, to his things. Uh, so Ms. Sinister is trying to stop that. It turns out that the girl that X-23 ran into is um, one of a series of clones, which Ms. Sinister has been experimenting on. And basically the whole lab comes crumbling down around them because um Miss Sinister can't steal X-23's uh, healing factor. Then they fight some pirates for an issue. Yes, completely separate one-shot issue with uh, Gambit and uh, Laura uh, basically going up against... Our... They're not Somalian pirates. Are they... Madriporian pirates? Is that what it is? I don't know. They're, they they are going to Madripoor, so yes. And we normally wouldn't cover it, but it's listed as Songs of the Orphan Child Part 4. Yes, and it does give the two of them some more time to hang out before there is a multi-issue Dakin um, storyline. And, you know, it gives them a little bit more time together to to hang out, to be buddies, and uh, to fight some great white sharks. (laughs) Uh, It does have very good uh, Santa Takeda art, Mm -hmm. uh, which is nice. Honestly, Will Conrad is the primary artist on this arc. The fourth best artist on this arc, though. Because <laughs> you got Marco Cicchetto, who's fantastic. David Lopez, who's fantastic. Sonic Takeda, who's fantastic. And Will Conrad, who's fine. I don't know. I, I think Will's work is pretty dang solid. I mean, he does... Uh... I just like all these guys better. The yeah. other three, I like them better. Yeah. He's got kind of a... I'm trying to think of whose art he looks like. Kind of looks like... um. Oh, I'm not going to think of it. I feel like he's l- so much less distinct than the other three artists who I could tell from a mile away who they are. Oh, the second it switches over to David Lopez, I'm like, oh, it's David Lopez. So this is a weird issue. Again, not bad. Oh, no, not by any means. And I know a lot of people like this X-23 run. It's not I compare every X-23 run to all-new Wolverine, and none of them come close. For me, none of them come close. Yeah. I think that's Do we fair. want to rank this? <laughs> yes, let's rank it. I'm so sorry. Uh, I was still trying to figure out who the artist was that I was thinking of, and I still can't find it. Oh, this is driving me nuts. Okay. Um, let me back off of that i'm gonna think of it the second that we stop recording and you absolutely will too. i don't know i yeah i feel like this is kind of this is fun i like the relationship between x23 and gambit um but it's not essential by any stretch of the imagination so uh, better or worse than ultimate x-men 46 to 49 which is the uh, sinister stairs arc it's better than Stairs, but I like the line from Stairs better than the part where X-23 stabs a shark. Okay. Uh, better than Deadly Genesis at 207? Do you think it's better than Deadly Genesis? I don't know. I think we're in the right realm, like this No More Humans era, like 209. I do think it's better than 210, which is the long shot story from the Jim Lee X-Men, volume 210 Here, to 11. It's probably... It's better than the C.B. Sabalski Age of Apocalypse, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. And we have that at... Uh, That's at 203. 203. Okay. All right. But like, 
a few spots up from that is uh, Savage Wolverine 12 through 13, Come Conquer the Beasts. And I like Come Conquer the Beasts better. I like Bishop's Crossing better at 200. I would be okay with it ahead of Girl School from Hack at 201. Okay. I'm not going to fight it. All right. So that would make this our new 201. Yeah. Songs of the Orphan Child. Oh, just sounds so sad. It is sad. Uh, <laughs> it's a very sad child. She, yeah, yeah, she really is. Um, but some fun Gambit interactions. There's some fun Gambit interactions. Yeah. Gambit, Gambit's oddly at his best when he has to be the adult in a situation. Yes, absolutely. It's great. Which is honestly why I think his marriage with Rogue works well. Because Rogue is normally the adult in a situation. Mm-hmm. But around Gambit, she stops being that for whatever reason. Oh, I, fa- I figured it out. Lanil Yu. Later Lanil Yu. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Uh, that's not even who I'm thinking of. No, he's more stylized too. I don't know, man. You're Th- Keep thinking, keep thinking. Mike Diodato. Uh, as... Mike Diodato. That's who I was thinking of. Eh, kind of. I yeah. can see that. Oh. It's not the same. All no, right. I, I can see Dio. I can see Dio there. All right. That was my uh, that was my two cents. <laughs> Road trip over. Road trip over. We're here. Everyone get out of the car. Or I will turn <laughs> this thing around. I swear I will. <laughs> I swear. Uh, but first, I want to thank Tim because he went over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. He gave us some money. We wrote a story about, well, we didn't write it. We crafted a podcast around it. If you want to be like Tim and have us talk about one of your stories before the year 2021, you can go over to that exact URL of patreon.com slash Xavier Files, pitch in at the $2 a month or higher level, and you can get a story on this list and we'll handcraft an episode around it. Uh, we've gotten some very good suggestions recently, and I'm very excited to see what happens next. Oh, if yeah. you like what If you like me and what I'm doing, you can go on over to XavierFiles.com. That's where you have all the latest and greatest of annotations of Hickman's run on X-Men. Uh, where you can figure out what that weird bit I did at the beginning of the show was. <laughs> yeah, guys, if you're not reading Hoxpox Talks on uh, Xavier Files, you got to. Chris and Rob are doing just amazing work decoding these uh, these Hickman issues. It's, it's fantastic. They're they're a great team, and I'm really I am. I continue to be proud that that's something that's coming on our site. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go to uh, Twitter and look for Xavier Files. That's me, uh, and I tweet there on occasion. Uh, Adam, what's up with you? All right, guys. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. New pages of Bishon Jubes across time conundrum come out every Monday on AdamRack.tumblr.com. Um, uh, Zach and I were talking before the episode, and we do have a little bit of a contest for you. Um, I recently got in the mail some three-inch Battle of the Atom stickers, and uh, I really would like to send these out to some of you guys. Um, so here is the basic rules of the contest. It's very simple. All you have none to- of this is legally binding. No, none of this, and no purchase Continue. necessary. IRS. Um, <laughs> I, I will pick up the postage. I will send this this thing to you um, if I can get in touch with you. Uh, here's what we're asking you to do. Go to iTunes and leave a, a review. Uh, tell us why you like the show and um, why you listen and how you think it's so awesome that uh, we, we rank all this stuff on a list. And um, we're going to be selecting some of those at random. 
um, because we think they're, well, not, not completely at random, just because we think that they're awesome reviews. And uh, we'll try and get in touch with you and uh, send you some stickers. How's that sound, Zach? That sounds great. You don't have to leave us a good review to get the stickers. Right, but right. Could be a, I, like... think we, I think we legally have to say that. I'm not sure how laws work <laughs> again. Again, here, in reality, how this will work is we will send stickers to 10 people that we feel like it, or however many it is. I don't know how many stickers Adam has. Uh, people who have written reviews, uh, of regardless of the quality of the review, there do need to be words there, though, because that's the only way I'm going to see that a <laughs> new review is there. Yes. So leave a review and uh, get a sticker. You can deface your laptop with it or, you know, whatever you like to do with stickers. Leave it on the a stop face sign. public property. <laughs> Don't be that jerk who leaves things on stop signs so that like whatever you're advertising seems like it says stop that thing. I know. Be no. like Miles in Spider-Verse and hit a sticker everywhere you go to school. <laughs> uh, and then have your cop dad tell you that's not good. Um. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I was so watching good. it the other day with my son. He was flipping out for Spider-Gwen. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. They're all so good. I can't wait for there to be more of those. What are we doing next week, Zach? Are we are we talking about Grand Design next week? I forgot. Yes. We are talking about Ed Prisker's uh, magnum opus, X-Men Grand Design. We're also going to be talking about other things that recap all of X-Men's history. So... Yeah. So we got, we got if you only issue. listen to one episode, just bang for your buck as far as history goes. This will be the one. I'm not even sure how we're going to fit it all in. It's going to be great. Uh, we're essentially just going to do Jay and Miles' job for them in one episode. That's going to be It'll be impressive. worse than their podcast, though. <laughs> okay. I don't envy us that, but it'll happen. Uh, it will. But until then, this has been Bow the Atom. And we hope you survived the experience. Get it!